0: We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. God bless you. Here's the message. And today we are reading from uh, Joel chapter one. Apologies that the slides are yet to come on. They will come up shortly. Joel chapter 1 from verse 16 to verse 20. Joel chapter 1 from verse 16 to verse 20. The title for today is Living in the Day of the Lord. You remember that last week, we looked that phrase, the day of the Lord, and we tried to understand what it means um, as it is often used in the scriptures especially in the prophetic literature. So today we're just continuing from the verse chapter 1, I read from verse 16 to verse 20. Has not the food been cut off before our very eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seeds are shriveled beneath the clouds. The storehouses are in ruins. The granaries have been broken down. For the grain has dried up. How the cattle moan. The herds, the mill about because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep they are suffering. Then verse 19 says, To you, O Lord, I call. For fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness, and flames are Burned up all the trees of the field. Even the wild animals they pant for you, O God. The streams of water have dried up, and the fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness. That's Joel chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 20. And of course, again, if you look at that part that we read, just like what we read last week and what we read last two weeks, you keep hearing this bad news upon bad news of of describing the status quo in this um, day and age when Joel was alive. Remember that we said he's prophesying based on the context of what has happened. Locusts have invaded the land and eating everything that is green. All vegetation is gone. There is no seed to plant in the next planting season. So there is farming, there is improper worship because part of their worship requires for them to bring drink offerings to God. There are no more palm wine or, (laughs) there are no plants really. So there is no wine. There is no whole leaf, there is nothing. And so every aspect of the economy was targeted or touched, thank you. Um, Going to this text, which is the last five verses of chapter one, Joel himself spoke in the midst of it all in verse 19 and says, To you, I, Joel, to you, Lord, I call. Because of all these things that have happened, the food has been cut off before our very eyes. Mind you, this is the promised land that we're talking about. This is the land that is supposed to be flowing, with milk and honey. It says joy and gladness has been cut off from the house of God. So even to come to the house of God, there is nothing joyful about it anymore. The same house of God that David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It says the seeds are shriveled because even if you plant, there is nothing, there is no no hope of germination. Everything is... Dead in a manner of speaking. And so that's the that's the context into which Joel prophesies. And again, by quick recap, these are all the things that we have touched on in the past um 15 verses thereabouts. We've looked at the fact that God speaks, we've looked at the fact that we should be sensitive. We've looked at the point of passing our faith on to the next generation. We've reminded ourselves that God can use us. He can use anything. If we can use locusts, he can use us. We've looked at the fact that there is strength in numbers. Locusts in and of themselves are very weak. You can easily crush one by, your, by just trampling it under your feet. But when they come together massively in agreement, they rot or wreak serious devastation. We've at the fact that sin makes us insensitive, and so there is a need for us to continue to repent. That doesn't mean that you continue to give your life to Christ again and again and again. To so repent simply means to change your mind, and change your mind so that you can change your ways. Because we are saved, and we still once in a while fall, there is the need for us to constantly continue to change our mind about the things that we are doing wrong, Confess our shortcomings to the Father and continue in the work of faith. And then we looked on Mother's Day at the fact that as real priests, we must cry to God. And we'll be returning to that point today. And then last week, we looked at what the day of the Lord is. We said the day of the Lord is when God personally intervenes in history. And sometimes he will do that directly, some other times he will do it indirectly, like in the days of. Joel, by bringing animals, insects, bugs, to do his bidding, as it were, so that the people can be forced back to wake up out of their slumber, consider what is going on, and see what God is going to be saying to them. And so today, what we want to do is then bring that down and apply it, especially when we were talking about the Day of the Lord last week, we emphasize the fact that it's As it is used in the book of Joel, there are three dimensions to the day of the Lord. There is the imminent day of the Lord. There is the, I mean, immediate day of the Lord. There is the imminent, and then there is the ultimate. And what do we mean by that? Immediate in the sense that even right then from chapter one, when Joel began to speak, something has happened. They are already living in the day of the Lord. God has interjected history by bringing judgment upon their shortcomings. By the way, if you read the chapter 28, we love to read the, la- the first 14 verses where we have all these blessings. Your enemies will come one way, verse 7, and they will scatter before you in seven ways. Your barn will be blessed. You will be the head and not the tail. By the time you switch from verse 15 <laughs> to the end of that chapter, and for much longer than 14 verses, there are also curses for those who do not in this case, of course, this was directly to the children of Israel. There were also courses if they choose not to obey the voice and the instructions of God. And one of those courses is that he will bring low costs, exactly this thing that is playing out in the book of Joel. So this is not supposed to catch them on In fact, it is something the Lord has stipulated to them in the book of the law. But today we want to add one more dimension to that. So the immediate day of the Lord, locusts have come. The imminent day of the Lord, chapter 2, which will start next week, in the sense that because of what has happened, is actually a picture of what is about to happen. God is not done with them. He's going to use, this time, a real army that will equally do as much devastation as the locusts have done. He will use the Assyrians to take them into captivity. And then, of course, chapter 3 talks of the ultimate day of the Lord in which God will bring restoration and everything will be back to how God has always wanted them to be. We want to add one more dimension to that today. And that's the fact that the day of the Lord is not just having this um, eschatological dimension. It's not just about the end time um, as though it's something that will happen in the future. The Bible is clear about the fact that each and every day is actually the day of the Lord. Psalm 118, verse 21 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will do what? Rejoice and be glad in it. So it's today the day of the Lord. I'm not, you are not saying it convincingly. It's today the day of the Lord. So we are not just, when we say the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is not just, don't we'll have that picture exclusively of something that would happen when there would be some Armageddon and, you know, these very scary images we read about in the book of Revelations. We live in the day of the Lord, in a sense, every single day. And of course, your own day of the Lord might not look like low-cost consuming, but green. But you know what you are going through, and I know what I am going through. We know the circumstances and situations of our lives. And so the, the reality of the fact is we live right now, in a sense, in the day of the Lord. Um, Most so, if you could even think of it in the light of end times, we are also living in the end times. In fact, there's a trick question. When was the beginning of the end times? Who wants to try and answer that? When did the end time be- begin, if we could ask that? We we'll talk of the end times, end time, end time. the perilous time shall come. Da, 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 da. When did that end time, when did it begin, or when will it begin? Anybody? Silence is deafening. It's the lioness. They said they are talking. <laughs> okay, when? I it, uh, okay, no, I don't know. You said it has started, but when did it start? <laughs> Well, I think it started um, when all the signs that the Lord Jesus has mentioned started. So I think that was when it started. Okay, Okay. I'll take that. That's a good attempt. Any other contribution? Sister Titi, thank you for passing the mic around. The end time is now. It's an ongoing Okay, so when did now start? When, when is the beginning of that now? Is it today's date, or 10 years ago? <laughs> 100 years ago. Well, it started... <laughs> it started with an individual when okay. he found himself in the war, when he was born. Right from the time that we are born. Yes. We are literally born into the end yes. times. Yes. I like that. That's also a very tricky way to answer a tricky question. <laughs> One more attempt, anybody? Sister Michelle. Thank you. Miss Sun. Um, when Jesus ascended. When Jesus ascended. Mm, I like that. I like that. Okay. Actually, everybody that spoken what is right to different degrees and different sense. The end time began, and we said this last week, actually. The end time began with the first coming of Jesus. Many of the prophecies that we read about, especially in the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Israel, and all the remaining minor prophets, as they are called, many of those prophecies have two scaffolded um, fulfillments. Which is why Jews still today, many proper Jews, not Messianic Jews, will still find it hard to believe that Jesus is the Son of God that they are expecting. Because there are certain dimensions of those prophecies that the Messiah is supposed to fulfill that Jesus did not fulfill. And so to them, they are still expecting the Messiah, when in fact the Messiah has come. But the issue is that Some of those prophecies were meant for when Jesus will come first. Some of them were meant for when He will come the second time, which will be the end of the end of time. So when we say end time, end time, end time, we have started ever since Jesus came, when He was born, when He died, when He resurrected, when He ascended. And interestingly, even today we date our dates by that event. We talk of B.C. And AD, AD is in the year of the Lord. There is a sense in which history records and acknowledges the fact that something changed when Jesus came on the scene. And that continues to be the way we talk about time. Now that's, that's when hand time began. That's why Peter will write in... In his episode, because people were then expecting that many of the things Jesus talked about, which again, Sister Linus was talking about now, the signs of the end, they were expecting those things to begin, to begin to happen, and many of those things were not happening yet. And so Peter said, I know that you're expecting the day of the Lord, and you think the Lord is slack. The Lord is not slack about his promises, because the way he calculates time and the way you understand time are different. On the one hand, is waiting for as many people as possible to be saved. This is me paraphrasing what Peter said. But on the other hand, a thousand years to the Lord is like one day, and one day is like a thousand years. And so he's making them understand that, yes, realize that you are living in that time now. But at the same time, we don't know the exact time of the second coming, as it were, of the Lord Jesus. All that's to say that we are living for the Lord. And so what kind of people should we be? What should be our daily response as people who are living in the day of the Lord? And I think that's what those last five verses say to us in Emmanuel speaking. And one of them is what Joel did in verse 19. He says, to you, Lord, I call Time is the one receiving the, is the one giving the wake up call. But in the midst of all of those things that are happening, he says to you, Lord, I call. And that's a template for us to follow. When Jesus himself came, he taught his disciples to pray Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Our Father, who art in heaven, come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Our delivery. That's what we do in the day of the Lord. That's what we should be doing now. Shortly after now, we be going into the prayer session and praying along those lines as well. And so in conclusion, as believers, whatever events may be going on around us, COVID-19, the war in Russia and Ukraine, and many other things going on in other parts of the world, or even in just your own world, your place of work, the source of income or livelihood, whatever it is that may be going on around us or in our own lives, we are living in that tension that we talked about last week, the tension of the already but not yet. Jesus has come but he has not come. Jesus has begun to be fulfilled but is not yet fully fulfilled. We're living in that tension day in, day out. And that tension demands that we continue to speak to the one who is in control of it all the one to whom Joel says, unto you I will call. Yes, there might be hopelessness all around, but I know the one to turn to, the one who owns the day, for it is the day of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Any question? Yes, ma'am. My question is, um, when I was, I mean, last week, yes, ma'am. that you mentioned that the day of the Lord has already come, but I was also going through it again, and I saw that that day of the Lord was emphasizing where the the sun will be darkened, mm-hmm. the, you know everything will be there will be bloody. So yeah. when is that? Is that one not going to happen? It will happen. That's what we are saying. So it's in three dimensions. In the book of Joel, there is the immediate when we are seeing locusts have come. There is a soon to arrive one in history and that became a thing indeed, shortly after Joel prophesied the Assyrian army came, they captured everybody, they took them captive. But then there is an end time of the end of the end time if you will, when all those signs that are very apocalyptic that we see in Matthew 24. And all those things Jesus said in the Olivet Discourse would happen. By the way, I should add that some of those things have already happened. Because some of those prophecies were referring to the destruction of Jerusalem. And that happened about 40 years after Jesus died, AD 70. Jerusalem was destroyed. All Jews were scattered around. It is until actually less than 100 years ago, 1948, that the nation called Israel came back, which again in itself is a fulfilment, a mighty fulfillment of prophecy, of Bible prophecy. So for almost, God knows how many centuries, there was no nation of Israel because all those things that Jesus said would happen, Hall, many of those signs were fulfilled in the year AD 70. And so, but many of the ones you're talking about, the signs in the sky and all that, which everyone will see, would happen at the very end, at the end of, the end of time and pray. Father God, we thank you because this is the day that you've made. We rejoice and be glad in it. The psalmist went on in Psalm 118 and says, save now, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, send down prosperity. And he says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In your name we have come this morning, and in your name we are asking that you will give us this day that which we need to sustain ourselves through whatever it is that we might be going through, that you will comfort with your comfort. You will comfort to help us. You will show yourself as an ever-present help. I will commit this service into your hands. We ask that you will reign and you will rule supremely amidst us to the praise and glory of your name. Thank you, everlasting Father, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.